Hello, all you damn beautiful people on the internet, and welcome to the Oscar Worsty Podcast, a show where we take a look at the films that have won Academy Awards and discuss which is the worst in their field. And of course, we started with the best picture, so we're going to keep on rolling with that this week. We are your Oscar Grouches. I am Paul Workman. And I am Jonathan Pierce. And I am Zach McCoy. And welcome to our show. How are you gentlemen doing this evening? Just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Peachy. Mm-hmm. Peachy. Oh, I don't like the way you said that. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> peachy. It is kind of a sultry uh, yeah. Friday evening. Come here, give me your peaches. <laughs> Millions of peaches. Mm, peaches for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, so we've already that's, derailed that's ourselves. <laughs> look, look, that's not an appropriate mood for this, and I apologize. <laughs> I, I think we're just trying to uh, add some levity to a very serious film. <laughs> Fucking serious film. So, well, let's talk about this movie. All right. Uh, Batman, you want to tell us what movie we are watching this week? We watched All Quiet on the Western Front, which is a movie that shows the German point of view of the Great War and reveals that no matter what side you're on, war is hell. That's absolutely right. Yeah. I think we're going to go ahead with our Oscar breakdown real quick so we can get that out of the way from now on. Uh, All right. So just a a few things. So we are now in the third Oscars, which covered uh, the years of 1930, 1931. No, 1929, 1930. I've already screwed all this up, so I apologize, everybody. Welcome to the Polly Worsties. Yeah, I... Wow, why do I have so many? Yeah, 1929, 1930. All right. There we go. Got it. Got I got it all figured you. out. Proud of you. Thank you. Okay. Um, to be fair, it's confusing because they, you know, five years down the road from now, we'll just have one year that we have to worry yeah, about. Yeah, so, so this is the first time this has tripped me up for some reason, and I don't know why, but we're going to keep rolling. All right, so All Quiet on the Western Front, of course, wins Best Picture. It is the first film to win Best Picture and Best Director uh, for Lewis Milestone, uh, who also won Best Director in the first Oscars for his comedy, I believe, which was Two Arabian Nights, and uh, made him the first double o- or two-time Oscar winner. Nice. Uh, the first pair of siblings in Oscar history win. Uh, won Norma Shearer for... The Divorcee wins Best Actress, and Douglas Shearer for The Big House wins Best Sound Recording, which is the first time we have Best Sound Recording as an Oscar. There are only eight categories, all seven are holdovers from the previous Oscars, and except Best Sound Recording, of course, which I just said was the first one. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front only wins the two Oscars, Picture and Director. It gets nominated for Best Writing, but loses to The Big House uh, so I apologize to George Abbott, Maxwell Anderson, Del Andrews, because you guys wrote an incredible script. Yeah, I did. Um, so wait, hold, I'm a little, I'm a little pissed off right now because you told me those were the only two Oscars that were won from this movie and only three nominations. How did Lewis Wolheim not get anything for this fucking movie? Uh, Lewis Wolheim was cat. Yes. Uh, uh, are you thinking more Lou Ayers, who played Paul? Because he's 
definitely the one that should have won for this movie. No, I mean Lewis Wolheim. That dude was fucking amazing in that film. I loved every scene that he was in. Every single one of them. Yeah, he was incredible, and he probably should have at least snagged a supporting nod. But Did they yeah. have um, adapted screenplay at this point? I can't remember. No, just best writing. So maybe maybe they didn't give it because it wasn't original writing at that point. Yeah. It, I don't know. I, I don't know if Eric Maria Remark uh, it also gets the nomination, because it does say based, based on the novel by here, mm-hmm. but... I mean, Big House in the category is the only one that isn't based on something else. So that's that's an interesting theory. Fair enough. So that's that's essentially the Oscar brace breakdown. Uh, oh, uh, apparently All Quiet got a oh, I got a fourth nomination for cinematography, which it also lost. What? Which <laughs> is insane to me. What? All right. So now let's talk about this film for a little bit, because I. Once again, I'm I'm having some real wishy-washy feelings about this whole show because I start off going, I don't like classic film all that much. And then I watch Wings and I go, you know what? I'm feeling hopeful. We then do last week and I go, crap, this may suck. We could be going down from here. And then I watch this for the first time and holy crap. And I'm not even like a war movie guy to begin with. There are a couple of them that I can watch and go, that's pretty cool. But God, this movie just pulled on every emotion possible. And I, except for happiness, there was not a a shimmer of happiness this entire movie. No, from, from the first time you hear their, their teacher whipping them into a frenzy to go sign up for war through the rest of the end of the movie, you're just like, oh my God, just keep beating me down, please. <laughs> God, and it, uh, the character progression in this movie, so amazing. The The only thing that pulled me out was just the, the lack of any attempt at German accents in the entire movie. Yeah, sometimes I kind of forget that we're looking at the the german point of view it, it um, literally took it was the hats were the and, only thing that made me go okay those are the germans and and i think that's exactly what they were going for with this was you want to forget their germans like yeah. especially later on when they go from the hats with the little kaiser point on them to mm-hmm. the just the the flat helmets well they, and, <sighs> they look they look almost american they're all speaking with american accents it's easy to get lost in the fact that they could be. Yeah. And, and as you said, with your intro, it doesn't matter what side you're on more as hell. I, so oh here God, you go. I just, yeah. I'd be interested in maybe watching a, a German dub of it one day. If I'm sure it exists, even though it was you know, banned by the Nazis. <laughs> yes. yes well, yeah. it very much was banned by the Nazis. <laughs> so, so my wife walks in while I'm watching this movie. I had to, I had to split it up in two different viewings cause I ran out of time, but right. I wanted to get back to this as soon as possible. And I did. And she comes in uh, from school. And she's like, what are you watching? I'm like, all quiet on the Western front. And I'm just like, this movie is basically, if this were come out right now would be, this is what it's like when kids in the Taliban, it would be their point of view. Like it, it's just, this is 11 years off of the great war. 
Like, that's when this comes out. This is still fresh in so many people's minds. And you know, they how much was he forced to put that kind of, uh, that, that card in the beginning of the movie to go, I'm not glorifying these people. I'm showing you what it was like for just about everybody. I, I don't think he was pressured at all. That with the, with the themes and the feeling of this film, that that card feels like it was written into the script. It, you know, I haven't read this book since I was in like middle school or high school. So I'm curious if that is in the book. I'll have to ask my wife, who is obviously um, both famously hot and well-read. She read this book and um, <laughs> she's really a big fan of the book. And I haven't read it myself, so I need to revisit it, too. I, I read I read the book after I saw this film. It must have been in high school because, oh, man, I this is probably my fifth or sixth viewing of this film. And it's one of those films where, like, I revisit it every now and then because of some reason. Like, I bought the DVD, so I rewatched it. Me and Jonathan watched all the AFI films at one point. Well, you did. I watched <laughs> all of like them. The first he started. <laughs> he started with me, but uh, I watched all the AFI films at one point, and it's it was on there, and I was like, okay, this. So I was rewatch it, watching it for this show. And it's one of those films where. I watch it. I'm like, this is one of my favorite films. And then I let some years go by and I see a lot of other stuff and I watch a lot of movies and I always remember that I love this film. But the moment I go back to it, I'm like, holy shit, I love this movie so much. So I can never imagine reading this book. I I would probably read this book and then need to read some Sylvia Plath afterwards to really pick myself up. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like I said, there is just not a shimmer of hope anywhere for anybody. No. You mentioned not really being, you know, not necessarily being into war movies. I don't know that there's a lot I've ever seen that compares to this. Maybe modernly I could I could say, like, it's somewhat poetic, like The Thin Red Line or something. Not as artsy, obviously, but... Well, so the problem that I feel like that comes out of a lot of, especially modern war films, is that it's really just comes off as patriot films. Yeah. Where they're really just there to kind of make you feel good to be American. I think outside of like Saving Private Ryan did really well with trying not to do that while still showing you, hey, this sucks for everybody. I, I think essentially Nazis ruined that for everyone. Because, you know, in in most wars, in this war, you can you could say, oh, man, it really sucks because there's this side and there's that side. And the people on that side probably don't want to be fighting as much as the people on this side don't want to be fighting. And and we're going to kind of commiserate together in the middle. So so you end up with things like this and to a lesser extent, but still the same gone with the wind. Um which, you know, we'll we'll be discussing here in a few weeks. Uh, but once Nazis show up on the scene and they're yeah. so gross and despicable and uh, and do such horrible things that they're just such an easy bad guy. Yeah. Suddenly it's like, OK, well. They're just bad guys like we don't have to we don't have to wax poetic. Don't about, humanize the Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and you see, and that's why I think this movie is really interesting if you look at it after World War II. 
because you're really seeing what's kind of leading up to it, the, the, the impoverished state of Germany because of World War I. That you're just like, okay, that's why it happened. Still not cool. Still very much not cool. Yeah. But you can see how easily people can be led that way. Or a country could be led that way. And, and this is happening at a time where the Nazi Party, the National Socialist Party, starts gaining some clout in Germany. And it's only three years away from when Hitler becomes chancellor. Yeah. It makes the movie all that more sad because, you know, obviously there's a German author wrote this book, an anti-war book, and it's like, don't do it. It's not worth dying for the motherland. And yet. Yeah. Uh, and, and in the next 10 years, they'll they'll just be right back there. Yep. And Jonathan, you were saying how close this was to the Great War mm-hmm. and how close it was. It was so close that most of the extras in this film were German soldiers that had oh, moved God. to America after the war. <laughs> God. A lot of things were added into the film because uh, Lewis Milestone was so, so intent on getting things right. He invited all these men to come be part of the filmmaking and they would tell him stories and he would add things like uh, the one soldier grabbing onto the barbed wire and getting exploded to where just his hands were still there. God, dude, I saw that. I'm like, oh my God. Like once again, being reminded, because you had said this during the, uh, the wings episode that this was a time I think before like standards were put on when it came to, the the Hayes Code specifically. The Hayes Code, yeah. Uh, so I <sighs> So the Hayes Code was in effect in 1930, but was not being pushed as hard as it would be until about 1934. Gotcha. Cause yeah, this movie, like, I mean, it it, it skimped on nothing. Nothing. There was not a moment. There was like honestly, it was really funny. The uh the only time I felt like there was a punch being pulled was when you actually watched a punch get pulled earlier in the film, where <laughs> it was like the weakest punch you've ever seen in your life. And I was like, wow, that was fake. Is this where this movie's going? And then like 10 minutes later, you're watching just the pyrotechnics that go on in this film. And you're just like, what budget did these people have to make this movie? Like, I obviously something we can look up pretty quickly. Uh, it possibly. was made for... million. Oh, man. Which, you know. A little less than Wings, but you don't have as many aerial. Just really just the one aerial. Yeah, you don't don't have to pay for a bunch of planes that uh, you also wreck. Uh, But but the amount of, like, buildings that were destroyed. Like, there was a couple of scenes. I'm like, I remember one point it was while they were trying to take that French town. And there was just buildings collapsing due to explosions and things like that. I'm like, God. I'd said this during the the Wings episode too, but I feel like with with older movies like this and actors that you don't necessarily know by name unless you're really, really into older films like this, there's that sense of realism, almost a documentary-like feel. And and looking at it from a modern view, it's like it is a window into that time. I'm sure, you know, movies being made now will be that way in the future, but it's different looking back like that. Yeah. Right. So another thing that I, I really appreciated about this movie was that the soundtrack was super minimalistic. Yeah, so uh, Milestone said he wanted to skimp on music for this so that he could 
uh, focus more on the gravity of the situation. I mean, it, it, I don't like silence in films unless it's warranted. And it felt like this entire movie, it was warranted. Yeah. And yeah. it really felt like it did just that. It just laid down how heavy each and every scene was like, I mean, and there's a lot of points in this movie where it's just them doing nothing. And really all you're hearing is just bombardment for just 10 to 15 minutes and just, every now and again, a little bit of dialogue, and then you're just like, this is what it felt like to them. This was just having to listen to bombs being dropped right above your head constantly. Like, I started to get anxious because of this. Like, I felt like I might have been going crazy at a certain point because <laughs> of how well it was done. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, definitely, it definitely sucks you in to the trenches and gives you this feeling that you're there, and even all these decades almost 100 years later i just don't i don't know like zach said there's there, there's not much that has ever come close to this this film set a standard that is near impossible to beat yeah no i absolutely agree so let's go ahead let's talk about a couple of people here that i feel like really kind of shined in this film i had already said uh lewis wilheim oh he's can, just uh, just the second he like you see him and honestly this may honestly be the only humor in the entire movie when he gets the animal from the truck yeah and as he walks by he just kind of just gives a little yep and then just walks away walks away takes it back to the boys and that they're hiding out in that house just from that moment on i'm like all right i like this guy and then you come to find out he's really just kind of the leader of this squadron You're like all right it makes sense now the further you go along yeah and just as each and every one of the boys who came in start getting picked off and like, Oh God, the scenes with the, the scene with the boots Ugh. where you just watch the boots get <laughs> passed on so quickly. Oh God, my heart hurts so much. And you're just like, why would the third guy even try? <laughs> like <laughs> at a certain point, let him go, dude. Yeah. That, um, was, that was a harrowing scene. And when, when I think of this film, and probably like in a couple of years from now, when I haven't seen it for a few years, uh, it, when I think of this film, I often think of uh, Lou Ayers's like prayer at the his friend's bedside as he's dying. I think that's the one scene that always just sticks in my mind because his performance is incredible. So here's my thing when it comes to him. I, I, he had his moments that were amazing when he went back to Germany to go talk to the school kids that were trying to get recruited. Then I'm like, God, that scene, he was amazing. But there were some where I was just like, ah, well, he had a little bit of that. Ah, shucks. Maybe the slight corniness of the age, I guess. Well, and see what, what it actually pulled to me was he was acting too American. Uh, oh, which yeah. kind of, pulled away from that immersion um but yeah that aw shucks kind of stuff we're, we're just kind of more american mannerisms and things like that mm -hmm. that it was using now obviously that's not really going to be him that's going to be your script but it was just the way that he kind of showed himself in that like i i can see that it i feel like it washed away though as the movie went on uh, appropriately perhaps so that's where i have to give him the most credit though was because he showed yeah. his he acted his character progression so well. He was a 19-year-old kid. And by the end of the movie, he could have been 19, he could have been 50. We don't know. You just you saw just the way he was 
how much he was forced to grow up. Yeah. By just the way he acted. Yeah. Also a big fan of Walter Rogers' Bane. Which one was Bane? Uh, he was the one at the very beginning where everybody had to, like, gather around him and convince him to go sign up. And then he he ends up in the trenches screaming about how he was blinded during an attack. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, God, he was so good. Yeah. He was he was great yeah. in every scene. <laughs> um, and I like how Himmelstoss was kind of comedy, even though he wasn't meant to be. <laughs> oh yeah, he was... just it, it was just like I liked that 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 feeling you got from him. I was actually a little I don't want to say upset, but I didn't like the route that they went during their boot camp. On you know, you see how your your training sergeants are supposed to train them, but you see them kind of beat the crap out of him at the end. It's like, well, no, it's not really how that's supposed to go, but I don't think he was ever too much outside of the whole, I think when they trapped him, he was going out getting drunk and having a good time while these guys were covered in mud. But I, that was the only character I felt really wasn't well done. Not I, by the actor, but but not by the writing or by the writing because of the whole cowardice at the end. I was gonna say I I felt his I felt his return to the film later on it was a really good payoff for him because it's this you know it always seems to be the the ones who are the most rah rah for war and punishment or the ones that can't take it kind of idealism. Sure, yeah, see that well, it makes sense. A uh, couple people, or uh, uh, one other person I want to talk about here is Beryl Mercer as Maul's mother. Was I've seen her be a mom somewhere else. I swear to God I've seen her be somebody's mom in another movie somewhere. Uh. But I thought she was amazing as well, especially for an older film. I always feel like okay. older films, they, they overact as if they're still in theater. Sometimes, yeah. And, and you know, around this... Let me let me get my thoughts together here. All right. So that that is kind of what happens, because with silent film, you have to overact because you're you're not using your words. You have to use your facial expressions. So this kind of vaudeville overacting tends to really dominate a lot of silent films. You get something like Wings, where a lot of the performances are very naturalistic. But then as a lot of silent directors start going into the sound era, uh, like the director of the Broadway melody, he's still directing people as if they're in silent films. So you still get a lot of the overacting. uh, You still get a lot of large facial expressions. You see it a lot in films around this time. It really, it really took a lot of working with sound for people to realize what they could, what they could do and where they could go and, it really starts getting ironed out in the next couple of years. All right, so one of the uh, last things I kind of want to talk about is going to be the cinematography of this movie. So there was a couple of moments that I know they were still using things like the rolling camera, the way that was done, because you can tell by how kind of fast the uh, film was going, especially during a lot of the more quiet action, well, quiet from speaking ways um definitely there was not a quiet moment in this film um but i just still found that how beautiful this movie was filmed and how it just the way that it was done kind of makes me kind of curious on how they did it without 
modern technologies in the sense of like mm -hmm. especially during like the heavy war scenes where the camera is moving with them during these high action scenes and i know with like remastering and things like that it would have made it a bit clearer but it's still oz awestruck to how clear it still is even at that time or how they're able to do so yeah i haven't looked into the production i'm sure you have but paul do you know if anybody is like seriously injured or killed during making this movie killed no i don't think i read anything about anyone getting injured um I feel like I read somewhere that somebody was so concerned with how realistic the production was that they sent people in. But for what I know, there isn't any any horrible stories. I think that's amazing. I mean, like Jonathan was saying, it's there are obviously people out there running with cameras. Yeah. While the realistic pyrotechnics and bombs are going off. Right. Yeah, eh, and honestly, like especially some of the the scenes in the trench warfare, when they're when they're being shot at or charged on with all the barbed wire, some of that is just so so wonderfully done. God, I'm 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 reading up on this movie a little bit, just kind of on the IMDb trivia, and just seeing how many countries banned this movie. Right <laughs> is. Like I mean, even was it Italy banned it in 1956? New Zealand banned it from the beginning, but let it come out a month later. Like there was just a lot of people apparently did not like the, the American Legion argued that the film treated German soldiers in a sympathetic way, which I can understand the American Legion being a little mad about. But at the same time, it's yeah, man, these these are still human beings. Yeah. All right, boys. So who has anything left to say about this film? I was just going to mention um, also something that came up in Wings, which, you know, I think Hollywood and, you know, maybe it does have to do with how easy it was to have Nazi or communist bad guys like up in the 70s and the 80s. But we got more of that brotherly tenderness and closeness that I don't feel like you see these days. It's kind of, well, we're coming back around to it when you see things maybe like the Hurt Locker, but it's more kind of focused on the individual struggles. But Right. But it was nice. Uh, again, it really drew out the emotion and really hammered home just how personal the story was for the author and friends I'm sure he lost along the way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, this just, again, I, I think this film is incredibly beautiful. It's incredibly poignant. It is unfortunately still relevant. It hits in all the right ways it needs to hit, and it really turns your stomach from time to time exactly when it needs to and how it needs to. Yeah. All right. So now it's time to ask a really important question. Is this the worst Academy Award for Best Picture? Zach. That is an insulting question. <laughs> how dare you ask such a question about I, this movie? I know. It, it, it comes back to Wings as well, where I just I felt yeah. bad. And the fact that Wings had to actually take the title, but it's good to know. That uh, most likely this one is never going to get that title. No, because uh, Broadway Melody will continue for me anyway. I mean, I was so not delighted because it's not a delightful movie, but I was so happy to watch a good movie after last week. Um, <laughs> and yeah, no, it's incredible. It's this was actually my first watch. Um, I've, I've been meaning to watch it for a long time, but it's absolutely up there in my fifty favorite movies for sure at least that i've ever seen and 
Um, I know there's a remake that was made in the 70s, but I don't feel the need to see it. Yeah. So I'm just going to say I'm really happy that I introduced the two of you to this movie. Uh, again, I, <laughs> thank you. This is one of the ones yeah. I watched in high school and fell in love with immediately. No, this is not the worst best picture. And currently out of everything that we've watched, all those films, it sits at my top spot now. Same. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to have to agree with you guys. Uh, this is not, cannot be the worst best picture. And I'm I'm a little torn. I surprisingly think I liked Wings a little bit better than this movie. Ooh. Uh, not to say that this was bad. Like, we're, we're talking give me a minute and I may change my mind kind of things. Right. But I... I uh, this This film was amazing. It's just, I think... The fact that you have to be in a mental state. You have to you have to start this movie happy or you're going down hard. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's really and, and that's a credit to the film itself. But I, yeah. I, I just the wings gave me enough levity and you know. Yeah, this doesn't have a hooray bubbles moment. I was about to say hooray bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> Which this movie did not need by any stretch of the imagination. There, no, 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 just uh, as a friend of mine used to call it, torrential heartache. Yeah, yeah. It, it, although I will say, I God, I hate it when they kill main characters in the final minute of a movie. I really do. Right. And I want to say it's cliche, but when it's the third best picture in the history of the Academy Awards, you really can't say it's cliche at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right. Uh, it's, I, I, I worry yeah. it being one of the firsts and it makes me kind of hate it for it like you know because of you Dante died at the end of Clerks so thanks <laughs> also also to answer our other question that we skipped over yes this deserved to win best picture alright well I think that's going to go ahead and do it for us uh, go ahead Zach give us your socials my name is Zach McCoy you can find me on Critiker where I post my movie reviews, short little blurbs that are easy to read. And my username there is Zach Master with the X, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R. And my name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on Facebook at Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on Twitter at Altorn underscore Occam. You can watch me play some video games. And coming up next week, or actually it'll be the day after this comes out, I believe, Paul and I will be watching some bad movies. Yes. In fact, I believe some Razzies. Yeah, so we decided if we're going to be uh, covering Oscar-winning films on a podcast, if we're going to be doing live streaming, it would be kind of boring to do the exact same thing. So instead, we're going to watch movies that had won and were nominated for Razzies as long as they are included with your Prime subscription. Yes, so we... Paul especially <laughs> scoured the entirety of the Razzies, and we came out with some choice choice Ooh. movies oh while we're here some beauties Ooh, while we're here hold up let's go ahead and spin to find out what our first movie is <gasps> oh i'm excited <laughs> all right so if you listen to this on wednesday the following wednesday uh whatever day it's supposed to drop following thursday you can listen to us watch uh to make a spin sound or you need a drum roll it does i, I think it makes a spin sound i might have to turn it up though yep hold on you ready okay yeah I went for the long spin. Yeah, you did. All right, are we ready? Yeah. Oh, 
we're going to be watching Rustler's Rhapsody starring Tom Berenger yeah. and, and Andy Griffith. <laughs> okay. So, a film, a film yeah. that I have seen, and I personally don't think it deserved the Razzie nominations, but uh, tune into us on Twitch so you can, you can hear us uh, talk about that. That's right. So catch us uh, next Thursday at Twitch, uh, or if you want to come catch me play some video games, it's twitch.tv slash altorn underscore Occam. If you want to be on that watch play thing, whatever it's called, almost said watch through, that doesn't make sense. Um, you will need to have an Amazon Prime subscription, so just know that ahead of time. So, yeah. And my name is Paul Workman. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Father of the Fear. Got that changed finally. Uh, Yay! You can follow me on Letterbox. That's letter b o x d dot com slash vaudevillian, or look me up by name. And I've also changed my criticer to vaudevillian, but that one has an e in it because I spelled it correctly this time. Zach, do you? <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Zach. Can you tell the tell the wonderful people out in podcast land what we are watching next week? Next week. We are watching the 1931 Western drama Cimarron, and that's available on Amazon Prime, YouTube, Vudu, iTunes, and Google Play. Nice. Word. Okay, so this has been the Oscar Worsty Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook at the Oscar Worthy Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Worsty Pod. And for Zach and Jonathan, I want to wish everyone a damn fine day.